Welcome back to your soon-to-be favorite podcast. I'm Angelica. And I'm Kelsey. And this is Here We Grow. Episode 30! Woo-hoo. We have recorded 30 motherfucking episodes. Crazy. I feel like not so long ago, what episode were we on where we're like, I can't believe it's 25 maybe? Uh, yeah. We're like, oh, almost to 30. No, it was 27, I think. I think it was 25, but we had two bonus episodes, so you're like, it's really 27. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that's what you said. Yeah, and now we have three bonus episodes, so technically we're at 30, after this episode comes out, 33. Yeah, that's crazy. I can't believe it. But we're just going to keep on trucking. We got some things planned. So that'll be fun. Good things are coming. Good things are coming. Good things are coming. And the guests that we talked about will be on next week. We had to postpone a little bit, but we have a, a nice guest coming. and For a good reason. Postponing. Yeah. Yes. You'll find out next week. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Forget about it. Yeah. I think your cup's probably in front of your face. <laughs> oh, and we're in the same club now. If you're watching on YouTube, you know, once we get sponsored by Stanley, I'm just gonna have this like right here. You're not even gonna see my face. <laughs> It'll be good for the TikToks. <laughs> it's just so big. I chuck it along everywhere. Yeah. It's our emotional support cup. No. 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 Okay. Have you ever heard people say that? Like, girls just carry around cups for like emotional support. No. Yeah. Like. They carry it everywhere with them because it's like their emotional support cup. I had to swap the straw out for mine though because the straw was too wide. It's like I was getting too much at once. So I swapped it out for a smaller straw. (laughs) It was too girthy for me. (laughs) Girthy's a good thing. (laughs) It sure is. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) It it sure is. Kelsey, it sure is. Yeah, I was thinking of it like a newscast. Jelka, you're right. It sure is. We are joined here with Kelsey Graham. And she says... Kelsey Graham. Kelsey Mies. She says... She made name me. She used my maiden name. A lot of the people listening knows me, know me as Kelsey Graham, so it's fine. <laughs> you're not a means to me. You're Kelsey Graham. Uh, when Anthony was working at my job... Shout out to Anthony if you still listen. Uh, I noticed one day when he was like sending me something that my name in his phone was still Kelsey Graham. And by this point, I've been married for five years. I'm like, when's it going to be Kelsey Means? Is it Kelsey? It is Kelsey Means on social media, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That came out just. It's okay. You knew me longer as a Graham than you did as Means. I did. You've been, you, you haven't been a Means longer than you've been a Graham. So. Yeah. Or even with you. Like I was saying. But yeah, she said you had some small talk for today. Uh, so my job does this really cool thing for Christmas where, um, where they give you money. <laughs> that and <laughs> so we do like a white elephant type thing, mm-hmm. except they provide the gifts. Oh, and, and these, you just get to like play a game to get them. Yeah, That's and cool. like these gifts are like 
200, maybe 250 max. I kind of remember you talking about this last year. What did you get last year? Last year I got a like a smokeless solo stove. Like a fire pit. Oh. A smokeless fire pit. Thinking of something else, maybe. The year before that, I got a Keurig with a coffee pot and like little K cups. Maybe that was it. That's the one I remember. Yeah. Okay. So I'm really. I mean, it's a. Yeah. Shout out to my dad. When is that gonna be? Tomorrow. Oh. Ooh. That's tomorrow. That's something to look forward to. Yeah, and like there are some. Obviously, we're all. Everyone's different, like their likes and wants and everything. Yeah. But there's always like two to three gifts that are constantly being stolen, like yeah. AirPods, uh, tablets, you know, like these gift cards to like Menards, Lowe's, Home Depot that the guys would want. Um, but yeah, like they. I wonder who like decides what gifts are added, like bought. Um, the higher ups, and then like my boss asked us, like, "Hey, like, what do you guys, what do you guys suggest?" Mm-hmm. Um, I suggested. Like the Dyson hair stuff. Oh. But that's like $500. Yeah, but it has to be unisex, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh. Isn't it amongst men and women? Yeah. So we'll just trade. I don't oh. know. Yeah, that's true. Um, There's like luggage sets. Like, uh, like what is it called? Like the pan sets. Like the huge pots and pan sets. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like stuff to go camping. There's like some guy stuff too. But yeah. you kind of just... Whatever. Trade it out and take it what you want. Yeah. That's usually how. Like last year, I actually got like this toolkit, like this carpentry toolkit. Yeah. And I was like, the fuck am I supposed to do with this? Like, I don't even understand. And this guy, he must have like, I I would never go up to people and be like, ooh, like what you got? Like whatever. I was going to take the L. And then this guy, he must have seen me and and he was like, hey, I already have like a fire pit at home. Yeah. I'll trade you. And I was like, don't, don't do it out of pity. And he was like, no, no, that looks really cool. Like, like, no, I really want this. He goes, he goes, no, no, no. Like, I do woodwork. Like, I think that would be yeah. interesting. And I was like, are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure? And he's like, yeah, it's fine. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, I'm That's excited. Cool. Well, so, like, for my immediate family, well, I don't know if you consider it immediate family, but, like, my parents and my dad's mom and, and sister, so my aunt and my grandma, um, for our Christmas this year, I suggested that for the kids, all of the adults draw a kid to buy for. Oh, cute. That way it can be like more personalized, a little bit more expensive. And then like, we're not each buying for five kids. Yeah. Plus our own children and our own family. So we did a drawing and it was supposed to be anonymous and it very quickly became not anonymous. <laughs> like literally I said, while we were, we were, we drew on Thanksgiving. I literally said out loud, the point of this is like a secret Santa. Like, don't tell anybody who you have, but if you draw your own kid, put it back. I'll get another one. Because, like, like if I drew cash, like, I don't want to buy, I'm already buying for cash. That would be pointless. So, I say that, and then my mom draws first. Draws it, looks at it, and she gives me a look. Like, like she wants me to know that she got, got cash. I'm like, God damn it, mom. I literally said out loud, God damn it, mom. Why are you giving me a look? I just said it's supposed to be anonymous. Like, and then, um, so in our like family group chat, everybody did their drawings, whatever. In our family group chat, um, we were supposed to be like sending wish lists for the kids so that the person who drew them knew. I was going to ask if you guys did that. Yeah. And we did it wrong. We should have made a personalized 
list of things that we were not personally planning on buying for our children so that we didn't have to like make sure that the other person wasn't buying it. And like, if they weren't buying it, we were getting it or whatever. It got really convoluted. And then in the group chat, hold on a second. You guys just made something so simple, it was, so complicated. Yes, very. I'm going to tell you what it said. Hold on. I said, I think next year we're going to have to pick what we're buying for our own kids first and then share the rest of the list with everyone else. My mom goes, or we just let the cat out of the bag and let each other know what we're, what we are buying or have already bought. I said, that's fine for this year, but next year it will be more fun if we keep it under wraps. I don't know about y'all, but I still enjoy the Christmas magic, surprises, etc. And my grandma goes, who blabbed? Like as if everyone knows who, whatever. And I said, no one blabbed, but I did use process of elimination to figure out what everybody has. Because there's only five kids, right? Two of them are for my sister. I know who I have and I know who my mom has. Um, and I know that everyone can't have their own kids. So it was really easy to figure out with process of elimination. But next year, if my mom doesn't tell me who she has, then it wouldn't be as easy. Huh. So it's your mom's fault. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Running Christmas magic. That reminds me. After for we, all the adults. <laughs> after we did that in our family, Kathy, she goes to my grandma. She's like, grandma, what'd you get? And grandma looks at her dead in her eyes and goes, you tell me and I'll tell you. <laughs> and it was like a funny moment. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, Kathy, so, Kathy really thought my grandma was going to tell her. Yeah. So then we planned. Which reminds me. <laughs> Apparently my grandpa got me. And he, he like pulls me to the side. He's like, hey, I got you. And... I'm not gonna go to the store. Yeah. So he's like, let's be realistic here. He was like, how about you go and buy what you want, and then I, I'll just reimburse you, and then we'll pretend like it's a secret. I'm like, yeah. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Give it to him, let him wrap it. You open yeah. it, be like, oh my god, what? Wow, you're such a good gift giver. This is exactly my taste. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we also decided to do a white elephant amongst the adults, so that it's just drawing one kid and then bringing one gift. Like for amongst the adults, yeah. Oh, that's fun. So that'll be fun. Um, I actually saw an ad for a gift that I sent to my sister, and I'm like, for the white elephant, and it was a puzzle, a thousand piece puzzle, and it was a hundred dogs on like acres of land, and they were all taking a shit. Oh, so you you guys are doing like? uh, No, we're not. But some people do the gag gifts for white elephant. Yeah. And I was was joking that I would do that for like the white elephant as a gag gift. And she was like, you should do it. And I'm like, no, because I wouldn't want to be the only one bringing a gag gag gift. At my last job, my gift, like the the gift we settled. My gift. (laughs) My gift. The gift we all settled with. The The gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) Like literally, we had just finished like everyone. That was it. That's the end of the game. I got a Yeti. My first Yeti. Oh, yeah. And I was so excited. And this bitch stole it from me. No, she started crying about it. Oh, I remember this story. She got a notebook. Uh, it was like 300, 300 prompt notebook or journal or something. That's really cool. Yes, but <laughs> she was like crying about it. Yeah. Like she really wanted the Yeti and she cried to the person who purchased the Yeti. Oh my God. And she, she, she was crying, bitching about it. And then he literally comes up to me and what was her name? Andrea or something? A something. Mm-hmm. I can say Made this you now. Switch. You're a bitch and I didn't like you. 
She made you switch? She didn't. He was like, hey, Andrea's really wrong. She's really upset. She really wanted a Yeti. Could you please just like trade her? No, no. See, even if I was that guy, I would be like, you're acting crazy over a gift you can go buy yourself. Like, it's not like. And it wasn't like a full size Yeti. It's not like it. It was a cup. <laughs> it's not like it was a brand new car. I should have said something like, oh, really? You should just go buy her another one then. Yeah. But no, I'm a fucking fawner and a people pleaser. And so I was like, with her. okay. And I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, my first Yeti. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so cool. Have you never had a Yeti since? Yeah. I, well, after I quit that job, I went to the job where I work at now. My first year, I got Yeti. Like a full, mm-hmm. big sized Yeti. And I was like, fuck you, Andrea. Where one door the fuck closes, another door opens. <laughs> Gosh, just the Yetis. And I was like, this bitch is like 33. Like, go buy yourself She's a fucking Yeti. manipulative as hell. Oh. Manipulative. And she was just like that in general. Like, my backhaul people. Y'all know. Y'all know. Yeah. Maybe not backhaul, but backhaul accounting because I feel like the guys kind of like had a crush on her and like she would kind of play on that. And mm. I think that's why I was on it. Like, and maybe that's why the guy made you switch. Yeah. Because he had a crush on her. God, this is gross. <laughs> red flag. Red flag. Red, red fucking, fucking flag. flag. Speaking yeah. of red flags. Speaking of red flags. <laughs> is that all the small talk you have? Yeah. Okay. I don't think I have any. Do I? Nah. <laughs> okay. We've decided to do red flags, beige flags, green flags. Yeah. Of ourselves. Right. <laughs> we put a prompt up, but we didn't get very many responses. No, so. y'all suck. Yeah, I'm going to need y'all to be more active on Instagram. But in their defense, we posted it like five hours ago, so we didn't give them a lot of time. Are, are you guys not on your phones at work like I am? <laughs> what is happening? Well, and you would think that like getting off work, that would be when people are like scrolling on Instagram. But I feel like people just didn't want to tell them themselves. Maybe everyone we that follows us is third shifters and they were at work when we posted it. Let's, let's assume that. Yeah. Okay, well, we did get one response. One person, shout out Brian. Shout out to Love Brian. You. Shout out to Brian for more than one reason because he's been a big help this last week in figuring some stuff out. And thank you. That's all I got to say about that. You'll see next week. All right, as we pull up, um, nope, just pop my mic off. Okay, let's see what Brian said. All right, so he says that a red flag. Um, individuals that talk but never listen. Mm. Bruh. We know the not we know the non-listeners of the of the world. Yeah. My boss. He's like that? Like he just likes the sound of his voice? Not really more the talking, but not the not listening part. Like literally, I was just talking to somebody else at work about this today. Like it frustrates me to my core when I'm trying to tell him something important and he I can tell he's barely listening to me. And then later it'll come up that he never heard what I said. At, or I'll be telling him something and it's like not in a rude way, but like he's trying to hurry the conversation and like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Yep. <gasps> yeah. yeah, that's, that's cool. Oh, no. And I'm like, no, but you need to hear the rest of this. Like, this is not just a one and done situation. Like, but it's like he wants to, he wants the fast and quick answer to everything. So annoying. Is he busy? I mean, a little. Like, he does kind of run oh, the company, but. Kelsey, cut him some slack. No, he can. <laughs> the last time he wasn't listening to me, he was on his phone. Yeah. So, no slack is given. Do you want to give your red flags? 
Okay. Oh, we're gonna do red flag, red flag. Yeah. Let's okay. Yeah. Um. I have mine. <laughs> Go ahead. You do yours first. Okay. Well, speaking about talking and not listening, my red one of my red flags. I've I've gotten better at this. <laughs> my red flag, similar to this, is like wanting someone to hurry up and yes, <laughs> hurry up and shut up so I can say what I have to yeah. say because I think what I have to say is much more important than what yeah. you have to say. But Kelsey, don't take this the wrong way. Okay. I think. By starting this podcast and seeing that you're one of those people that like <laughs> interrupts me, <laughs> then I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> it's okay. Like, just let it go. Okay, so I'm the same way, but and we've talked about this before. For me, it's not that I feel like I need to say something more important. It's actually common with people who have ADHD that I've already predicted what you're gonna say. <laughs> And I've already predicted your point. That's not fair, though. You don't know what I'm going to say. But normally I do. (laughs) And especially my husband. I know what you're saying. I know your point. You drive me crazy. And you're dragging it out. And I just want you to stop so I can say the next part that I need to say. (laughs) But. Wow. So I guess that's my red flag, too. That's your red flag. Yeah. Interrupting. Um, But I told. Okay. For the record. We started this podcast. She just interrupted me right now. <laughs> I did. When we started this podcast, I told Angelica multiple times. We had multiple conversations about this where I said, I need you to interrupt me back. And that kind of makes me think that there's this um, video going around recently that was like, there's two different types of people when it comes to conversations. There's people that believe you, like, it's like passing a ball back and forth where I hand you the ball and then you continue to talk and then you hand it back to me and I continue to talk. But then there's people who just toss the ball, like I'll grab it from you and then you grab it from me and we're just, you know, whenever we need to pick it up. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's how our conversations are a lot. And I've heard other podcasts that are like that. And that's kind of how I prefer rather than it be like finishing a thought and then you pick it up. You know what I'm saying? I have noticed. Don't take this the wrong <laughs> okay. way. Sometimes when I'm listening back, though, you, like, cut me off, and then I end up not saying what I was going to say. <laughs> but in the moment, I don't think about it. Yeah. I just move on to the next thought. Yeah. But then as I'm listening back, I'm like, oh, I was going to say this. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say, it's fine. Sorry, I'll work on that. <laughs> I'll work on my red flag. Another red flag that I have, and I've realized this, is that if we're in a relationship, I want you to be healthily obsessed with me because i will be obsessed with you too mm-hmm. like i like will support you and biggest fan biggest fan biggest yeah. cheerleader like anything you do mm-hmm. i'm fucking there for you like i will <sighs> wow like yeah i will try to push you to be your best like i will literally hold your hand while you pee like whatever you want <laughs> to do i'll do it they're gonna need a hand <laughs> Their own. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just want to be on you, on top of you, with you, in you. <laughs> like, I just, I just. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I told Travis the other day, like, I was craving, like, physical connection. Yeah. And I said, instead of trying, instead of freaking him out by saying I want to be in you, I said. <laughs> Don't tell me. I said. want to wear skin? No, I oh. said, I want to be within you. <laughs> and he goes, I get it. <laughs> And then we cuddled. I need me a Travis. <laughs> I want to be within I get you. It. Yep, I get that. I understand. 
like so close to me that we're almost intertwined, but we're not. You yeah. Know? Yes, intertwined. I think is what I want. I just yeah. want like. You know how like there's spaces in between your fingers? Yeah. <laughs> I just want to fill those spaces. What is that song? Is it is a song that we're I think it is a song, but I can't. We'll clip it here. We'll clip it here. We'll figure it out. We'll clip okay. it. Okay. Do you have any other red flags? Oh, um. Most of mine are just literally. Literally. <laughs> oh, I, I, I. Jesus. I can't red talk. Flag. Red flag. <laughs> Um, I've noticed within myself that like, and mostly this is like my friends, boyfriends and stuff, but like once you do one bad thing, I'm like, that person's a bad person. And then I have to like talk myself off the ledge. Like, okay, that's not the whole picture here. You label them right away. Yes. And so I need to calm down. But that's because I just go so hard for you guys. I'm just like, fuck that guy. (laughs) But sometimes that's good. Yeah. It's good. You need that person. Yeah. Except when you're like, but we got back together. And yeah. you're like, nope. Nope. <laughs> okay. That happens, though. Trauma bonding. <clears throat> All right. Beige flags. Beige flags. Brian says, when one finds a balance of alone and together time. That's pretty much a green flag. Yeah. Um, balance. I think it's... I was thinking about this for myself today, and I was going to say, like, my ADHD is a, be- a beige flag for me because... And not to be like keep talking about my ADHD, but sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing, just depending on who you ask or like the situation. But like if you listen to our ADHD episode, I talk about like some people with ADHD that have superpowers. Like I'm really good at organizing a large task into little small tasks or whatever. And that really works out at work for me. Also, I've noticed recently that I'm better at when a task needs done, like just grabbing it and doing it rather than putting it off or procrastinating it because I'm, I feel like it's like a, a complete and not complete situation. Like I just need to get it complete. So it's checked off my box. And then once it's complete, I get that dopamine hit. So it just depends for me. That's why I said my ADHD is a beige flag, beige flag, beige flag. Yeah. Beige fucking flag. Beige fucking flag. Okay. What about yours? I have two. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. Maybe yours will make me think of more. <laughs> <clears throat> One of my beige flags is that almost every time I go to the store, I buy Bull and a toy. <laughs> <laughs> that rhymed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He has lots of toys. Yeah. Um, another, spoiled boy. another beige flag of mine is, I think, fawning for me yes. is a beige flag. Uh, like, I think it's not, it's not necessarily a, a red flag right. because I'm not harming anyone by doing that. Right. The only person I am harming is myself. Right. But it's still not causing physical harm. Yeah, it's like to keep the peace. Right. I would rather just fawn. Right. Or just go along with it. Even though, like, my boundaries are being sacrificed. My Mm -hmm. happiness is being sacrificed. But just to, like, okay, like, whatever. Let's, it's fine. Just get through this really quickly. Let's get through this. That's my page. It's just like an automatic thing. Because I'm a fawner, too. We've talked about this with each other. It's just like an automatic thing that happens in your brain before you can even have a thought to be like, no, pick a different trauma response, flight, yeah. flight, whatever, yeah. or like hold your boundaries. Yeah. Before you can even think about it, you're already like, oh, okay, uh huh, yeah. Literally, anytime mm-hmm. someone does me wrong, mm-hmm. my response is, it's okay. Yeah. No worries. Yeah. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. 
deep down, like, you fucking bitch. Well, we <laughs> talked about, like, after you leave that situation, you just feel like shit for, like, the next couple yeah. hours. Because you're replaying that situation in your head, feeling like, I should have done this, I should have done that, I should have done this. Yes, but also for me, if someone truly feels guilty for what they've done to me or what they said or what they did, mm-hmm. I would hate to be that person that makes you feel even worse. Like, if mm-hmm. you already feel bad, I'm not going to add on to it. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of what encourages the fawning. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. You said you had two. Oh, that was two. The toys and the... Girl, can you not I'm just kidding. Should we do the green fly or go on break? Yeah, uh, we got time. Yeah, we got time to do the green fly. Brian says the willingness to grow not just as an individual, but partner too. That's what this whole fucking podcast is about. Literally. Literally being willing to grow and change your mind and <clears throat> learn from other people and... Yeah. Green flag. Green fucking flag. Yeah. 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 It's going to be our new catchphrase. Do I have a green flag? <laughs> yeah, you do. Uh, my, oh, this is a beige flag. This is a, this is a greenish beige flag. Okay. I'm too understanding. Mm. I get everything. Like, I understand so much. Mm. Like, your parents were a piece of shit and therefore you're a piece of shit. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> totally fine. Totally Whatever. fine. It's yeah. okay. No, no, no. A true green flag. What is a true green flag? I was going to say for myself, um, just like having a big set of knowledge about mental health and like knowing where to apply it. Like when someone's talking to me and I'm like, okay, well that kind of sounds like this or that kind of sounds like it came from this. Not that I'm like, I was going to say, not that I'm therapizing people, but what, who are we kidding? Therapize people all the time. But, and I probably shouldn't, I know, but um, I, I, I hope it helps people a little. This may not be a true green flag, but uh, I don't apologize often. So when I do, you know, it's genuine. Mm-hmm. Like when I know I fucked up, yeah. I will apologize. Like, yeah. I'm not those people that's like, well, I'm not going to say I'm sorry. Like, no, no I, I, I agree I with I that. Fucked up, I agree with that. You're very like, I will apologize. willing to, uh, be accountable. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Anything else? Let's see it. All right. We're going to go on break. When we come back, we're going to start with the story. We didn't even tell you guys what we're doing today. Wow. Hey, guys. Did you know that we have merch? Merch. And if you're looking on YouTube, Angelica's wearing it. <laughs> um, if you want to buy merch, go to our Instagram. Our um, link tree is in our bio. Buy one for your girlfriend, buy one for your boyfriend, your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, your auntie, your uncle, your cousins, your grandma, your grandpa. Yes. Everybody. They are unisexual. So Unisexual. (laughs) Okay? Unisexual. Um, If you don't have access to our uh, link tree, you can just go to bonfire.com slash here dash we dash grow dash podcast. You have shirts. Yes. We have crewnecks. Pullover hoodie, mm-hmm. crew neck. We could add some more stuff later if we want to. But it is it is good. Please go get some. Please. Do it so that people say, what's on your shirt? And then you can say, oh, it's a podcast I listen to. You should listen to. And speaking of which, if you're listening to the podcast right now, which is how you're hearing my voice, send our podcast to someone you think will like it. Something we didn't tell you that we're doing today is um, another Mysteries and True Crime episode. 
And the only reason we're doing two back-to-back is because on last episode, if you missed it, we got the whole second story cut off, basically. And the reason for that is because I've looked over here again like, is it point, man? <laughs> um, I got up to fix something on the camera while we were recording, and I stepped on the microphone cord, which barely unplugged it from the laptop. And from then on out, for like 40 minutes, there was no audio. And I think what happened was it was just enough unplugged that it wasn't recording, but not so much that the laptop audio was then going to pick up the audio because it did like, if I unplugged the, the mics altogether, the laptop would have picked up the audio and we would have still had a little bit of audio. So we're doing another true crime episode today. Not the same one we planned as last week because this one's way better. Maybe we'll cover that one another time, but we are covering the Murdoch murders. Dun, dun, dun. If you haven't heard about the Murdoch murders, there's a Netflix documentary, docuseries about it. It's really, really good. Really well put together. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend going to watch it. Even after you hear the story from us, because there's a lot of um, body cam footage. It's and good, yeah. A lot of like visual <clears throat> video of the property and like all kinds of stuff that you would really want the visuals on. So many interviews of everyone involved. Yes. Yes, lots of interviews. Yeah. And we'll talk about some of those interviews yeah. today. Okay, so let's jump into it. So this story actually starts all the way back in 2015. We're going to start off with a kid named Stephen Smith. He was a 19-year-old um, boy who went to who lived in the same town as the Murdoch family. And one night he was fatally struck by a vehicle. 15 miles from the Myrtle home. Oh, that's where you're starting. I, yes. I was like, I can't remember Stephen, mm-hmm. but now I remember Stephen. I wanted to do like the full timeline from yeah. start to finish. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he was found dead on July 8th, 2015, and it was originally ruled a hit and run by the investigators until the Myrtle ca- case came up and then it was opened back up. Um, he was found in the middle of the street, like literally on the line, like the, the middle of the street, like double line. And he had blunt force trauma to the back of the head. And so it did appear. Oh, and his car was three miles down the road with a gas cap hanging off of it. Like as if he like was going to go try to get gas or whatever. So what's weird about that is that he was in the middle of the road. Normally, if you get hit by a car, you're not going to land directly in the middle of the road. You're going to land like off to the side of the road or like kind of in the road, not really smack dab in the middle of the road. And you can actually look up photos of when they did like a spray paint box around where he land, where he was at when they, when he was found and it's literally smack dab in the middle of the road. Like it looked like it was set up to look like a hit and run. And when they started investigating, they originally thought, okay, maybe this isn't a hit and run. Maybe like, cause there's no other like evidence that it was a vehicle. Like there's a part in here. There was a part that said like from the investigators, there were no like tire skid marks there. There was no like broken pieces from the car or, um, and there, he had no other bruises or broken bones. He only had the, the back of the head trauma. So it's like this very specific spot on his head where he was hit. That's very unlikely for it to be a car mm-hmm. or even a truck. Um, so they ended up doing an autopsy and they still end up in the, ended up in the end ruling it a hit and run. 
But after that, after some time passed, there were rumors floating around that Buster, the oldest child, which we'll talk about all the family members soon, but the oldest Murdaugh, um, was actually involved with this child, with this kid that they had a gay relationship that was like under wraps because the kid was out, but they were saying that Buster was like in a relationship with him, but he wasn't out. Um, there was other rumors saying that, um, they saw Buster and his friends driving around that night and that maybe he got into an argument with the kid and hit him with a baseball bat or something like that. Um, what's weird is that the day before this happened, he was at his mom's house. His mom and his dad lived separately. He was at his mom's house and he told his mom that he was going on a fishing trip, a deep sea fishing trip. And what was odd was that he said he was taking the trip with a prominent person, but would never say who it was. And the Murdoch family, they're prominent people in this town. And again, we'll talk about that in a minute. <clears throat> so a man found him. He called 911 at 3.59 a.m. So he was hit the night before and like wasn't found until 3.59 a.m. Almost 4 a.m. Officers were dispatched to the scene and found Stephen deceased in the roadway, blood pooling around his head. Highway Patrol agents noted that there was none of the evidence you might typically find at the scene of a vehicle accident. They saw no debris in the roadway, skid marks, or injuries consistent with someone being struck head-on by a car. What they did see was a large wound by Stephen's head. It was so significant that the incident report notes, after checking the body, it appeared that the victim had been shot. So the, the wound actually looked like a gunshot to investigators, but then when the autopsy came out, they were like, no, this is just blunt force trauma. Wow. That's yeah. how hard. That's how hard hit. he was hit in that specific part of his head. Um, I think it's so crazy how like there's literally no evidence mm -hmm. to signify to signal or anything that this is a car accident. Mm -hmm. Yet they're gonna rule that because right. What would you rather have in this town? A hit and run, accidental yep. death, or someone or murdering this totally someone. random murder? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it still Sucks. to this day appears totally random. Um, so not long after Steven's body was found, officers discovered his car as well. It was pulled over on the side of the road, nearly three miles away with the gas cap hanging off. Um, and the rumors, yep, I already talked about that. So, um, the, so let's talk about the Murdoch family a little bit. So the Murdoch family, they are a predominant family in a small town in South Carolina. There is mom, Maggie, dad, Alex. Which people in the show call him Alec. Yeah. I think it is Alec. It's spelt like Alex. So there I is, just say Alex There is a lot. Alex, yeah. Um, the older brother, Buster, who is a junior to the dad. But they just call him Buster. It's his nickname. And the younger brother, Paul. And if you've ever seen a photo of this family, they're all redheads. The mom might have like brunette hair, but all the boys are all redheads. Um... The, uh, Mr. Murdaugh, Alec Murdaugh, was for years a well-known lawyer specializing in civil litigation. His family law firm, based in the tiny town of Hampton, was considered a powerhouse on the state plaintiff's bar. And his father, grandfather, and great-great-grandfather had all served as the top prosecutors across a wide region of the state. So they had a lot of, like, power as these, like, infamous lawyers in this town like, generational wealth generational power generational wealth generational power and like a hand in any like law you know courts police anything that relates to the law they had connections mm -hmm. so that will play i'm sure a big part in this whole case 
Um, so after knowing all that information, we've talked about the Stephen kid. He was killed in 2015. In 2018, a woman named Gloria, Gloria Satterfield, she was 57 years old. She worked as a housekeeper and nanny for the Murdoch family for about a quarter century, which is 25 years. I don't know why they didn't just say that. <laughs> um, she died about two weeks after she was reported to have fallen down the front stairs of the family's hunting property. And they talk about that in the documentary where I think they even play the 911 call where um, I think Buster calls. And she had fallen. They say she fell up the stairs. And then there's other reports that say she fell down the stairs. And that the dogs tripped her. And then there's rumors that Buster pushed her down the stairs. And this it's is a lot. This is outside in the front porch, right? No, it's, um, well, it said, it just says at the stairs of their hunting property. Oh, front stairs. Yeah. Yeah. And we're talking about like maybe five, six steps. Right. Not very many stairs. And 57 is really not that old for a fall. So, yeah. She might have broken something, but to die from to it? To die from it, yeah. Lost the spash. It says Gloria allegedly fell up some steps in the Murdoch family home and hit her head, causing a brain hemorrhage. After her fall, she was in the hospital for 21 days and eventually died from her injuries. Her death was attributed to natural causes and no autopsy was done despite How the fall. The How the fuck is that a natural. natural cause? I agree. And why didn't they do an autopsy? <sighs> especially after like this is the second time the Murdoch's have been a part of like have been named in someone else's death maybe we should be doing at least an autopsy like that's the bare fucking minimum but who's probably donating to the police report or who's probably donating to the <laughs> police department right um so speaking of donating <laughs> Alex Murdoch receives $4.3 million insurance settlement as a result of Gloria's death and $2.765 million was supposed to go to her sons per the People Magazine's report. But when her sons didn't get the payout, they sued Alex. Rightfully so. Yeah, and he was like telling them like, it's coming, it's coming. Yeah. Like, so sorry it's taking so mm -hmm. long. Usually these things happen. Yeah. Yep. So that, that's just so fucking wrong. Like, I can't imagine being her kids. It's like... Not only is this suspicious that she died on your property, but now you're not even going to give us the money from the settlement. Like, that's doubly... Like, why would you want to make yourself any more suspicious? Just give us the fucking money. Right. Okay, so on February 2019, so um, let's go back and see where we were at. Gloria died in February 2018. So a year later, in February 2019, there was a boat crash with passengers Mallory, her boyfriend Anthony, Paul, which is the... Um, younger son, Murdoch, his girlfriend, Morgan, Anthony's cousin, Connor, and his girlfriend. So three couples, three boys and three girls. They were driving on a boat. They were um, going out to a party that was, um, I don't remember exactly where they said it was, but they were going out to a party and then they drove to a bar and Paul and Connor actually went in with their fake IDs because they were 19 at this time. They were underage drinking. Paul got um, alcohol before the night started to fill the cooler on the boat. And he used his brother, his older brother's ID to get that alcohol. There's even like video footage of him in the gas station getting it. Okay. That's what I don't understand. Because if this is such a small town where they know these kids. Yeah. Then you know he's not fucking 21. Yeah. But if you look at Buster and Paul side by side, they look very similar to each other. So if you know who they are, because if you go, wait, hold on. If you go to the body cam footage, which we'll get to, 
um, one of the police officers asked the other police officer, do you know this family? And he goes, I, I knew of them, but I didn't know until he told me. So it's like they know of these people, but they don't know what oh, they look like. I see what you mean. So, yeah, there's a still image of him buying alcohol with Buster's ID. And then there's a still image of him in the parking lot celebrating that he got the ID. He got the alcohol with the fake ID. I was going to say, maybe they know more of Alex's face and not necessarily the kids' faces. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah. Um, so, Paul is driving this boat. It's their family's boat. They end up making a stop at this bar. And Paul and Connor go in and they drink some more while the other kids are hanging out on the pier not really wanting to drink anymore. And um, it's while they're on this pier that they get the last still image of Mallory alive because Mallory ends up dying from this boat crash. So what happens is they all gather back together and a, a little after 1 a.m. they get back on the boat and they start going back toward home. And all of the kids in the documentary will account that they didn't want Paul to drive. They knew he was too drunk. Anthony and Connor, or not Connor, Anthony, um, and maybe Mallory would be like fighting with him, trying to get him not to drive the boat because he was too drunk. And there were, oh, it scared me. It scared me. It's just Bolin drinking water. He's still going. Yeah. Okay. According to the group, according to Miley, some of the group started arguing with Paul after she says he started driving in circles and acting drunk. Miley told investigators Anthony asked Paul to let him out at a nearby dock, dock, but Paul refused. So they were trying to get off the boat knowing that something bad was going to happen. Morgan would later testify that Paul kept leaving the wheel to fight with her and said Mallory was scared. Investigators would later note that the onboard Garmin GPS showed that the speed of the boat had increased. At about 2.20 a.m., the boat crashed into the Archer's Creek Bridge. Mallory was ejected from the boat into the dark water. Connor called 911 and begged for help. And you can hear that 911 call in the documentary. First responders immediately began searching for Mallory. The passengers were transported to the hospital, except for Mallory's boyfriend, Anthony, who wanted to stay behind. Oh my God. Sorry. His recollection of that night mm -hmm. and how he almost so like blames himself. Oh, he truly loved her. Yeah. So Everything much. Anthony says in the whole documentary. I'm like, Oh, this poor guy. Poor dude. Um, Connor was treated for a broken jaw and Morgan's hand was badly injured. According to hospital staff, Paul was uncooperative. Medical staff drew Paul's blood several hours after the crash and his blood alcohol content was 0.24. Three times over the legal limit hours after the boat crash. How fucking drunk was he? This part really gets me. Um, Alex, oh, no, no, no. Hospital staff also told investigators that they observed Paul's father, Alex Murdoch, going from room to room, attempting to speak with the other survivors. And they said in the documentary that this was because they were trying to convince the other, the other survivors that they had their story wrong and that Connor was actually driving the boat to get his son off from this crime. My God. Um... A security guard also reported that he overheard him on the phone saying, she's gone, don't worry. What the fuck? So Paul murder, murder. <laughs> oh, yep. Well. Got that right. Got that right. You heard it here first, folks. Paul Murdahl was indicted and charged with three felony counts of voting under the influence 
including causing the death of Mallory Beach and seriously injuring two other passengers. That's so scary, though. That is honestly very terrifying. Mm -hmm. That she just got ejected out of the boat Mm -hmm. and she she drowned. Like, and they couldn't even find her. Yeah. Did they ever find her? I don't remember. A week later. It took a week to find her. Dude. Can you imagine how Anthony was feeling? His his boyfriend? Her boyfriend? (laughs) I... That crushes my soul. Mm. I mean, her her family. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's just scary. Like, one second you're there. And one second you're not. You're just gone. And then you're dying alone in the dark water. And it was probably... It was February, so it was probably a little bit cold. She never came up. Mm -hmm. So, like, did... She might have died on impact and then, like, sunk to the bottom. Yeah. I don't know. They, I don't think they ever said. Ugh, awful. Uh, let's see. Paul pleaded not guilty to all three charges and was out on bond awaiting trial. Okay, so now he's out in the real world and he's just awaiting trial. A month after the boat crash, Mallory's family filed a wrongful suit, wrongful death suit against the members of the Murdoch family. In 2021, the passenger Connor Cook, who they tried to frame, also filed a lawsuit against Alex Murdoch, pictured with his family. I don't know why it says pictured with his family. He claims that Murdoch had tried to frame him as the driver of the boat, which he did. And there are multiple accounts of that. So, so then we get to the meat and potatoes, the biggest event in this whole story. The most one of the most compu- confusing parts of the whole story, but there is another more confusing part that we'll get to. On June 7, 2021, so this is two-ish and a half years later, Alex Murdoch called 911 and reported that his fa- his wife and son were shot. Police arrived to the dog kennels on the property to find Paul and Maggie shot to death. Alex was on the scene with his own shotgun and truck. He claims he arrived home from his mother's house and found them already shot dead. Here are his series of events for the day. So this is the first account of the day that he gives the officer on the scene that night. Uh, Alex goes to work, but leaves work early to spend time with Paul because Paul was coming home, whatever that means. Maybe he was off at college, living with friends, whatever. He was coming home. They went out on the property to uh, go shooting uh, bottles, like beer bottles. Maggie came home from a doctor's appointment and they all three hang out at the home together. Maggie and Paul end up going out to the kennels and Alex stays at the house and takes a nap. When he wakes up, he tries to call Maggie to tell her that he's going to his mom's, but she doesn't answer. He leaves for his mom's anyways and stays there for a while. He drives home, realizes no one is home, and then finds them by the kennel shot and that's when he makes the 911 call. Alex is seen on police body cam stating he believes that their deaths were in relation to the boat incident multiple times. So it's almost like he's saying, like, this has got to be related to the boat incident. Like He's planting the seed. He's planting the seed of, like, them looking for someone to have a motive against Paul. He's trying to control the narrative. Yes. Which Um, also, like, you know, everyone grieves in different ways. And, you know, you don't know how you would be acting if that would ever happen to you, which hopefully never does. But the way that he is speaking about this Mm -hmm. and talking about his wife and son being shot to death. Yeah. So cold. Yeah. It's so crazy because on the body cam footage, he does seem a little panicky. But but you can tell he's acting panicky. He's not like it. Like if it were me or if it were my husband and his Oh, I'd be hyperventilating. He would be sobbing like inconsolable. Yeah. 
And Alex has got his shit together the whole time he's on body cam footage. And then when you see him in the courtroom, he's cool as a cucumber the whole time. The whole time. Cool as a cucumber. And we'll get into that a little bit later too. Um, so one part of this, one of the witnesses that they call to the stand in the trial is his mother's caretaker, Shelly. And so, you know, he claims to go to his mother's house and then come back and find his wife and son dead. They contact Shelly to find out her accounts of like when he was there, what times he were, he was there. Well, before she can even speak to police, Alex talks to her the next day and asks if anyone asks how long I've been here. Say like 40 minutes. Oh my God. And she ends up telling the police the truth, which is more like 20 minutes or less. And that he seemed really agitated and like fidgety when he was there. Almost as if he was already planning on doing this or he had already done it and was just going there to have an alibi. Which I don't know how far away that his house is, but I think they talk about it in the um, documentary. It's close. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's sick though. Even if it was before or after, you went to go see your mother, mm-hmm. either after you've committed the most gruesome crime ever. Or before you were planning to. Or you were planning to. Yeah. yeah. My God. Just heartless. <sighs> yeah. He also calls his housekeeper, Blanca, to come and tidy the house the next day. And the house, the caretaker for his mom was kind of talking on the uh, documentary like, what kind of person calls the housekeeper to come tidy the house the day after your wife and son are murdered? Like, I would not even be thinking about what the house looks like. Like, and what, what are you trying to cover up? Right. Cause that's the obvious answer here is that you're trying to cover something. I mean, it's just like those cases where they have a body in the car and what do they do the next day? They get it detailed. They get it cleaned. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Alex and Buster are then seen on trips days later, weeks later, going on vacation. Casinos, right? Casinos, boat tournaments, all throughout the summer. Then police call Alex in for what he thinks is just an interview to get more information, but it ends up being an interrogation with suspicion that he murdered his wife and son. Police question his timeline because there's a video that they found. So... When they first got Paul's phone, they could download some things, but not other things without his passcode. So I'm thinking that they were able to, uh, to download things that were like in the cloud, but like not things that were saved on his phone. And they called it like a soft download or something. So they did end up, or maybe he posted it on social media. Maybe I've got that wrong. Don't quote me on that. But anyway, they did get a hold of a video of that day when Alex said that him and Paul were out shooting a video that Paul made of his dad playing with this tree that was like falling over. And Alex is wearing completely different clothes than how he was in the body cam footage after he called 911, which is just like less than two hours later. Um, and so he, the police questioned him about that. When did you change clothes? And he really has no good answer. Well, I don't, I don't really remember like what, when, what time was that video? And I thought I would have changed by then. And I, I, he just has no answer for it. Um, police tell him he's a suspect. Um, and they basically act, ask him like straight up, like, did you kill your wife? Did you kill your son? And he's like, no, no, like just that clean and clear. No. 
So then on September 13, 2021, which is just a few months after their deaths, so not a lot of time has passed, Alex appears to have tried to kill himself and failed. This is the most confusing part of the storyline that there is, and it's because Alex changes his mind or changes his story multiple times. But basically how I understand it is he calls what they call, who they call Cousin Eddie. Cousin Eddie is like a distant cousin of um, Alex Murdoch. He is technically a part of the Murdoch family. Um, but he's kind of like Alex Murdoch's like handyman and errand boy. Like he pays him to do little odd jobs or like to run errands for him. And we'll get into that later. Um, and he calls him and he says, hey, will you meet me somewhere, somewhere? Like it's like on the side of the road. So he's like, yeah, I'll meet you, whatever. So he, they meet each other on the side of the road and you'll find out what happens next after the break. So he, so cousin Eddie meets Alex on the side of the road and he's like, what's going on? He's very confused. And Alex is like barely talking to him, like through the, like the window being halfway up and the visor being down. So he's like, can just see barely his face. And he's like saying, I can't really be seen in town. And he's like, why? Because of what happened on your property. And he's like, yeah, basically implying that he's being looked at for the murder, the murder of Maggie and Paul. And then um, Alex asks cousin Eddie, you love me, right? Like we're family, right? And he's like, yeah. And he goes, well, then I need you to shoot me and kill me. And I think he said maybe in the head, like shoot me in the head. And Eddie, of course, is like, what the fuck? Like, no, absolutely not. So then Alex probably pleads with him a little bit and then ends up driving off because he says no. But Eddie, being concerned, follows him further down the road. This is all Eddie's account, by the way. Eddie follows him further down the road. Alex ends up stopping. Eddie parks behind him. Alex gets out of his car and walks up to Eddie's window with a gun. And Eddie's thinking, in Eddie's account, he he's thinking, well, I just need to scare him out of this like mindset that he's in. So Eddie takes his gun and shoots the ground next to Alex to like whip, like snap him out of it. And Eddie claims that a rock pops up from the bullet and pops Alex in the back of the head, which is what causes the little bit of blood that comes from the back of his head and causes him to call 911 to claim that he's been shot. So he calls 911, claims he's been shot. Eddie leaves by this point. I'm not sure why Eddie leaves. They never cover that. Wait, could you imagine, like, hang on. I'm just putting myself in Alex's headset right now. Yeah. Headset. Mindset. Mindset. <laughs> yeah. Like, first, if it's even genuine, right? Like, oh my God, I'm, I'm in such despair. Like, please take, take me out. Like, yeah. take my life. But it can't be because the second he sees another opportunity, like, wait a minute. I'll just call the cops and say that I was shot at. Yeah. That makes me feel like you really weren't, oh my God, I'm so devastated by this loss. I need to right. just be gone. <laughs> also, there, I, I would speculate. Like, how do you change that like so quickly? Yeah. yeah. I would speculate that he was hoping to frame Cousin Eddie in a way that would be like, see, I'm not the one who's out to kill all the Murdoch's. It's another person who's out to kill all the Murdoch's. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Right. That's what he wanted to do. Yeah. But I'm saying, what if Cousin Eddie really was like, okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. why did he take those chances? Right. Or did he really know Cousin Eddie that well? That he wouldn't do it. That he wouldn't do it. But what would be the 
I know. That's that? why this part is so confusing. I know. Like, what, what is are the you point? Doing? What is the point before you, when you ask him to shoot you, or maybe after he doesn't shoot you? Maybe he was hoping that cousin Eddie would would I don't know file a report or something. Like, hey, I'm really concerned about Alec. Like, mm. he he's suicidal. So, he's suicidal. Mm -hmm. But then still, what's the end? <sighs> yeah. Game for what? That? Yeah. This makes absolutely make no sense. sense. If anybody has any clarification on that part, I would love that. Or your theories, like yeah. what your thoughts. So he calls nine one one. And at first he tells the police he was on the side of the road changing a tire because he got a flat. Which I wonder if the police ever verified that he got a flat. Because, like, it would be pretty easy to see that he, like, what, slashed his tire? And, like, okay, that's a gash in a tire, not, like, a, a, a fucking screw or a nail or whatever. But anyway, he tells the police that he had a flat tire, pulls over to change it, and a stranger drives by, turns around, comes back, and shoots him. Then later he says that he was trying to take his own life. And then later he eventually says that Cousin Eddie shot him. And then oh Cousin God. Eddie gets arrested for this attempted murder, basically. And I don't know if those charges are still on him or not. I don't think they are. But Eddie has other charges, which we'll get to. So, let me look at my notes and see where we're at here. Babies. Eddie also states that he was in charge of cashing checks and moving money for Alex and did not think that he was doing anything illegal. So Alex would hand him a check and be like, like in his name, in Eddie's name, and be like, okay, go cash this into this account and then bring me the cash. And it would be like tens of thousands of dollars. 25000 50000 75000 whatever. Um... Eddie claims that he tried to stop running these errands for Alex, but that Alex then threatened a family member of his. Something that really threw a loop through the case is that there was a check for $24,719 made out to Eddie 10 days before the murder. So it appeared to be murder for hire. Mm -hmm. Even though, like Eddie said, he would this is what he did all the time was cash checks for Alex. So realistically, he probably went cash the twenty. $4,000 and then brought it back to Alec. Um, so back to the murder case. Police finally get into Paul's phone and find a video. And this is the smoking gun of the case. This is the most shocking part of the whole case, which I, it's so good. Like there are not, a, there, there are very few murder cases that have a smoking gun like this one that are like, that's it. That's what we needed. That's how we know. So I guess um, the police couldn't get into Paul's phone until they got a passcode. And that's when they were finally able to get this video off of his phone. Um, Paul was keeping his best friend's dog in the kennels on the property. They had like probably 10 kennels on each side. So like say 20 kennels. And I guess his friend was like out of town. So Paul was keeping the dog on the property. Paul starts recording a video of the dog and to, to like send to his friend to like show him something. And in the background of the video, you hear both Paul's mom and dad's voice distinctively, undeniably in the background of this video. And the police figure out that this was only approximately two minutes before they're murdered to prove that Alex was there when his son and wife were murdered. Not only that he was there, but he's lied about his entire timeline damn yeah got him and the first time that the video was played for the public was in the courtroom and alex had no idea that it was coming 
He, did, he had no idea they had that video. And so after they're playing the video. He had no idea there was a video. Right. After they're playing the video, you can see um, Alex sitting in his chair behind his, where he's supposed to sit. And he is visibly shaken by this video. That is the only emotion he ever shows during the entire trial. When they question him about murdering his wife and son, no tears are shed. When they question him about any of his details, he is not nervous. He is not shedding a tear. And some may say, oh, that's because he's a lawyer himself. But this was the murder of your wife and child. You have to be. And, and if you're a lawyer yourself, you have to know that you have to at least fake some emotion. At least Remorse. fake it. Yes. So yeah, Alex is then charged and sentenced um, for the the murder of his wife and son. And I believe, let me find a video of his sentencing because it was very moving. No, no babies. Don't come up here. No. Six hours long, Jesus. I respect this court. But I'm innocent. I would never, under any circumstances, hurt my wife, Maggie. And I would never, under any circumstances, hurt my son, Papa. Well, and it might not have been you. It might have been uh, the monster you become when you take 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 opioid pills. Maybe you become another person. In the murder of your wife, Maggie Murdoch. I sentence you for the term of the rest of your natural life for the murder of Paul Murdoch, whom you probably love so much. I sentence you to prison for murdering him for the rest of your natural life. I respect this court. In this video, he shows absolutely no emotion. And I think the way the judge said it for your son, who you probably love very much, like was trying to get a reaction out of him and absolutely no reaction. He's just staring blankly at the judge, like not showing any emotion. And that to me was like really chilling. So he's got two life sentences for killing his family. Um, and then there was something else I was going to look up too. What was it? I was going to see if there were like a list of theories as to what is happening. Well, one of the theories is that the, because of the boat accident. Yeah. Causing too much trouble. Yeah. Like it, like too many suspicions. And plus you got to talk about all the insurance fraud that he committed. Yeah. I was going to say that I guess the trial that he was preparing for, for Paul they had said somewhere in the documentary that that trial was going to open up um, Alex's finances to mm -hmm. like the public. And mm -hmm. so they would have seen that he was misappropriating funds or whatever. And then also I think Maggie wanted to fall for divorce. So if they were to do that, that would also open up. Yeah. Finances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even um, his assistant or somebody who worked with him at the law firm was suspicious of him misappropriating funds. And she actually went to go find out what was going on the same day mm. that he, that they were actually murdered like hours before. Um, but yeah, what's so confusing to me is the part with Eddie. It is he really involved in some way? 
And then, oh, something else that was mentioned in that video I just played was that there were a lot of opioids involved. I was going to say, was Eddie the one supplying them? So they asked Eddie in the documentary, are you a drug dealer? And he's like, no. And he said, I, if I was, it'd be a pretty bad one because I'd only have one um, client and it would be Alex Murdoch. Okay, but if this one client... is like thousands of dollars, yeah. Yeah, it's consuming... 60 at a time, whatever the, the judge said. But he did say in the documentary that sometimes Alec would hand him like an envelope and inside you, he would shake it and it sounds like a pill bottle and he would say, deliver it to this place or whatever. And Eddie, would, Eddie was saying supposedly he would assume that it was just like evidence for a case he was working on or something like that. Oh my like God, that. no. Eddie, bro, you can't be that ignorant. You no, can't and you can't be... use ignorant to be innocent. Yeah. <laughs> you can't use ignorance to be innocent. Plead your innocence. Yeah. Nah, um, he, knew, he knew something was up. He chose to look the other way. He chose to not think too much on it. Uh-huh. And then let's talk about uh, Eddie's charges. Hold on one second. Because he's going to do a lot of time in jail too. Okay, yeah. He was indicted for four counts of money laundering, three counts of forgery, trafficking methamphetamine 10 to 28 grams, one count of unlawful possession of a Schedule II controlled substance, and possession of marijuana. But he's not a drug dealer. Nope. Homie, what? <laughs> um, I know. I want to find the amount. How much? Okay, so um, Alex Murdaugh and a bank employee allegedly defrauded his personal injury clients and laundered more than $7 million of fund Whew. of funds. I, I can't remember the exact amount, but at the end... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, sorry. Like... At the end of the documentary... There's like the title screens where it's like giving you more information at the end, like just written out. And I believe it says, and you don't quote me on this, but I believe it says that the laundering that um, Cousin Eddie is charged with, what he did between him and Alex, was worth like $4 million in its own. So this dude is like a professional money launderer. A professional crime, well, I wouldn't even say a professional crime cover-upper because he was Cover not good upper. at any of it. He wasn't good at covering up Paul's crimes because people knew what the fuck he was doing at the hospital. Um, he wasn't good at covering up his wife and son's death. He wasn't good at covering up whatever happened between him and Eddie. Like, he's not good at covering up anything. He's really sloppy. He really is. Oh, and I bet that cup's right in front of your face. <laughs> At the, at the, um, in court, when he's giving his own testimony, which his lawyer specifically asked him not to do. And as a lawyer, he should know that. Uh-huh. He did it anyway. It was horrible. He really, like, 
what's the word? Like he shot himself in the foot being on the stand. He could not answer the questions the way he needed to answer them. And then once he's found that his timeline is wrong and that he was lying, they asked him why he lied about it. And his answer was, oh, what a tangled web we weave. What? That basically just confirms that you're a habitual liar. Yeah. That you know you're a habitual liar and that you're not going to do anything about it. Basically. And there's just so many lies to keep up with at yeah. this point. And you just, you're, you're confusing yourself. And I guess it makes sense if the, so if, if it's been confirmed that he really was on drugs, especially like large amounts of opiates, I guess it could make sense that the whole Eddie situation was so confusing. Like he was being, maybe he was being very irrational and trying to cover up something with something else. And that just made sense to his high mind at the time. And then later to find out that none of it makes sense. Um, and I wonder now, like, when he went to the hospital after the supposed gunshot wound, if they, like, did a talk screen on him. Maybe not. But he couldn't get his story straight, so maybe they would. And he's, I don't know, he's being looked at for murder, so maybe they should have. Uh, what are your thoughts on Buster? Do you think he knew? <gasps> oh, Buster. That's a whole nother thing. Before we get into theories, I had a coworker that went to a um, a wedding in North Carolina, and Buster was at that wedding. Wow. It was before his dad had been sentenced and everything. Oh wow! Like it, everything had already happened. Like his yeah. brother had already passed. His mother had already passed. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like he was there, and he said that he didn't know who he was, but yeah. there was a lot of murmurs about him. Like people. Were, Kept looking at him, kept talking. I would not have invited him to my wedding because of the murmurs. Like, you would take the spotlight. Yeah. And so finally he, like, asked around. And that's when he's like, oh, that's who that is. Wow. And he just said that um, he just got really drunk and, like, sloppy drunk, made a scene, and then he left early or something like that. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Crazy. Do you know what that means? Six degrees of Kevin Bacon? Something about, like people in proximity i don't know yeah like every, it's this theory that everyone is at least six degrees from kevin bacon so like say you know a friend who was in an acting class and they know someone in the acting class that was in a movie with this person and that person was in a movie with this person and then it leads back to kevin bacon that that's why i said that because we know somebody who knew somebody who invited buster to their wedding yeah i think he was like the groom's best friend or something like that wow yeah and my coworker went because it was his wife's cousin that was getting married huh so yeah wow very close very close maybe not even six degrees like four maybe yeah um so as far as buster goes i mean i think i don't think he knew what was gonna happen i think it's hard to like or it might be easier to accept that it wasn't your own dad. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure he wanted to believe that so bad. Yeah. And then, but after it happened, him and his dad were going out and partying. and Yeah. Like, how can you do that or be okay with your dad wanting to do that? Knowing he's a suspect in this case. Well, he didn't know he was a suspect until they got back. Oh. Because that's when he sat down with the police and the police were okay, like. Okay, but even then, don't you have a brain? Wouldn't yeah. you be suspicious? Yeah. Like, you believe your dad that much? Yeah. 
maybe his dad's just very he's a lawyer he's a very convincing person in his home at least but even then like okay as as a dad who's grieving the loss of his wife and son why would you be doing that no i would same thing for buster like bro what are you doing the biggest fucking red flag in this whole thing is that they went on (sighs) fucking vacation i mean i guess it's like oh they would have wanted us to live our lives they would have wanted us to like no but i still wouldn't out of respect they were murdered and at that point have no idea how it happened murdered in cold blood yeah so you take a vacation one thing i was going to mention was how they were murdered so they go over this extensively in the documentary so you should really should watch this they have like virtual playouts of how it happened but basically the person probably the dad who shot them um finds paul in the feed room which is like a closet sized room off the kennels shoots him in the abdomen with a shotgun like it only has it's one of the shotguns that you can only put two bullets in shoots him in the abdomen with a shotgun leaves the feed room thinking he shot him down but paul stumbles out of the feed room the person turns around shoots paul again with the shotgun in the head blows his brains out oh my god could you imagine paul saw who was yeah who, who his paul killer was looking at his dad yeah and being so confused and scared and terrified and then lights out that quickly wow or even alex having the balls to watch his son stumble out of that room with a gunshot that he inflicted and then um cold man a different gun a rifle was then used on maggie so they theorized that the the killer either planned i don't know my theory is that the killer didn't know that maggie was still out there and maggie came around the corner wondering what's going on and because they had already used the two bolts from the shotgun they had to pick up a different gun to then shoot maggie and neither of the um, murder weapons were ever found but they have a whole like clubhouse on the property full of guns like hundreds of guns rifles shotguns snipers machine guns everything um and i believe in the first season of the documentary there's drone footage of the Murdaws removing all the guns from the property. Yeah. Which is super fucking suspicious, especially because they never found the murder weapon. So why are you removing all your guns from the property? Right. Um, but yeah, that, that part about how they believe they were actually shot, like all the logistics of it was really interesting. And then when they found Paul, Paul was laying on his back and his phone was on his abdomen. Like it was placed there. And Alex claims that... On his abdomen where he was shot? Yeah. Like on his chest or on his ab- abdomen. Like right in the center. Like just facing up like someone placed it there. Mm-hmm. And um, the police found that really suspicious. And Alex later said that after he found Paul, he grabbed his phone thinking he was going to do something with it. And then changed his mind and put it back down. Obviously a lie. Like very obviously a lie. He picked up his phone probably to see if he had any evidence of what happened in there. If like he was recording or on a phone call or whatever. And then put it back down. Um, But when the cops first got there, they actually theorized, okay, what if this was a murder-suicide? What if Paul was trying to kill his mom and his dad and then kill himself? Which would not have lined up with the way that the guns were used. 
killing his mom with a rifle and then turning a shotgun on himself and shooting himself in the abdomen. Yeah, it makes no sense. That doesn't make any sense. But they did feel like at the scene they needed to look under him to see if there was a gun underneath him. Like if, if Paul had possession of a weapon. Ooh, excuse me. But yeah, it the whole case, like you could just go over it a hundred times. And I'm sure the investigators that and the prosecutor that was on this case many many sleepless nights right trying to figure this shit out because one thing that you can credit alex murdoch for is that he made this shit as fucking confusing as possible and i'm sure that worked in his favor for a while Mm -hmm. because it was a tangled web that he weaved and we had to untangle it or not we but investigators had to untangle it yeah and so going back to steven the first case the first murder victim because it wasn't a car accident. Mm-hmm. They think that Buster did it. The or public his thinks. friends or maybe a secret was going to come yeah. out or they saw him with him. Obviously, there, these are just theories. But right. there, there's other, there's other well, rumors about another person that might have killed him too. Well, I was going to say one of, I think one of the theories or one of the reasons why people think Buster went along with it was because his dad helped that situation go away. Mm-hmm kind of covered his oh, ass. Oh, because dad covered Buster in the first situation. Mm-hmm. He's going to cover dad. Right. Which, that's two that's totally different up. things. You covered me killing, maybe even accidentally killing a classmate, covered up Paul accidentally killing a, ca- a classmate, but then you kill my mother and brother? That's well, very different. Well, maybe he thinks if I don't, he's going to kill me next. So I have yeah. to act like I'm everything's fine. That's true, too. He could just be compliant. Yeah. Yeah, and then... I feel like he... Another puzzle piece is the housekeeper that died. Like, Oh, yeah. What the fuck happened to that? Well, and the why... other theory was that it was Buster. So there goes two for Buster. And you know what's so crazy is, like, this whole thing, he's so, he laundered so much money... That just goes to show you how money hungry he was. Yeah. I can't even imagine myself being that money hungry. And I think maybe maybe it's because, like, he never came from nothing. Like, he was all, always a part of a wealthy family. Their property has its own name, Moselle. It's on its own road called Moselle Road. Like, it's acres and acres and acres and acres of property that were probably passed down to him from grandfather, grandfather. And it's like... He never had to struggle to even be able to appreciate the money he was laundering. Right. Yeah, that's I weird. Was, Why is he looking at the closet? I was going to say, I bet I bet he's not even, like, a good lawyer or, like, compared to, like, his father and grandfather. Yeah. He just went, like, the lazy route. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he, Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm not great at getting cases, so I'm going to launder a bunch of money. Right. And, like, sell drugs and shit. Right. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. It's terrible. So terrible. And what's another terrible thing is um, the housekeeper, she describes Maggie, the mom, as being this just, like, such a nice lady. Very, like, lighthearted and kind and just so kind to her, even as, like, the housekeeper and the nanny, like, kind of like the maid of the family. Like, really treated her like family. So it's just so sad that, like she didn't really have any part in all this mess and she ends up dead. Like she didn't even do anything wrong. It was all the boys doing. Mm-hmm. She's just trying to hold her family together and do the best she can. And boom, she's dead. 
in an instant. It's so crazy. Sorry, my allergies are it's acting not up. not fair. I thought you were crying. No, my allergies like, are acting gosh, up. Kelsey. It's so sad. I mean, it is sad. Yeah, it is sad, but my allergies are just acting up. Mm. But, oh. Anyways, it's called Murdaw Murders on Netflix. Go check it out. There's a ton of coverage on it. You can watch the whole court case. I think it's like six hours long. Like, there's a lot. Um, but we like to keep doing true crime stories. If you guys want to hear them, let us know. We're not going to do them back to back like this ever again. We just did it because we had to make other plans and we got cut off last week. So, but hopefully audio problems will be in the past here soon. You want to go ahead and sign off, you think? Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. That's been the Murdoch Murders. Thank you so much for joining yes. us and listening. Go check out our new merch. We have check new out merch. Our new merch. Share, like, subscribe, comment. Tell us what kind of merch you want. If you want different merch, you let us know. We can make anything happen. Yeah. Okay, thanks. All right, bye. bye.